All right, Ty, just because I read up on you and know your background, I'm excited for this conversation purely based on what that is. But what I like to start off with is tell me your franchise story. Like set me up. How does, how does Ty even fall into franchising? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I think that's a, that's a really fun uh, and long story. I've been in the construction industry, home service industry for about 20 years. Uh, but about seven years ago, I started restoring uh, wood windows in my hundred year old garage. Uh, but we always knew I'm like obsessed with my community and obsessed with helping people out in my community. We always knew we wanted this to grow. And a mentor gave me the e-myth. I read the e-myth and I'm like, franchising is the way to grow. And uh, so that process started and it's, uh, it started, in truth, it started about seven years ago, but we didn't really take it seriously until about three years ago. All right, so you're, you're fixing up wood in your old home. <laughs> yeah. How does this even turn into a business? Man, uh, so, you know, I live in a house that's 110 years old. And uh, of course, all of my neighbors have all these like major problems with their houses and contractors make them incredibly difficult. Everything takes forever, forever, everything costs a ton of money. And my neighbors were always asking me like, hey, Ty, how do I save money? How do I do this differently? And I had gotten turned on to some really awesome repair methods that the National Park Service uses to restore some of like our landmark properties across the country, like Monticello and, and Mount Vernon and the Statue of Liberty. And I thought, man, these are really cool. They've got some great science and technology behind them. This is epoxy resins. And I think they'd have great application for my neighbor. And, uh, and we started doing it and realized we could we could fix a ton of wood-related problems, rot, termites, other deterioration with this great epoxy. Save people a ton of time, a ton of money, and uh, ultimately, I think they liked living in their house more. Okay, so customer one was free. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so you figure figure out what the product line is. How do you then turn it into a business? And you're you're obviously working a, a different career at that point too. Yeah. How do you start laying out this business plan to even prior to even franchising? How do you lay out the business plan? And then how do you start scaling that portion of the business corporately? Yeah, it's funny. It's very similar to kind of what I think about franchising now is we started with my neighborhood. So it's really just neighbor focused. So I just thought about going all in on my community. I had this great little business idea. I was a full-time contractor, part-time window restoration guy. And I had this idea that I could go all in my community. And what did that mean? That meant like just like really getting involved in my kid's school that was inside of my neighborhood, uh, supporting local events inside of my neighborhood, but then also digital marketing, like leveraging uh, the new marketing technologies where we could hone in on zip codes and, you know, geofencing so that we could really get connected to my community. And, and really, as we grew it throughout Oklahoma City, where I'm based, is we just kind of did it like neighborhood by neighborhood and just kind of spread it out, just rinse and repeat, same method. Find a neighborhood, get really ingrained in the neighborhood, use digital ads to support it, direct mail, canvassing, but really always keep it neighborhood focused. How did you figure and, out your... Oh, how did and you that's what... Go ahead. How did you figure out your pricing model in that? Because I, like, I think the hardest part... I think about my own neighbors. My neighbors say, hey, can you help me with, you know, I, I want to talk to you about for a few hours about how I'm going to scale my business. I'm like, I mean, I charge thousands of dollars for the, but oh, no, I got you. 
how, how did you even figure out how to price uh, in that initial scenario? Man, that's so it took definitely this is the hardest part about running a home service business. It takes years to nail down pricing. So I would say that the pricing is probably the thing that took the longest. I, you know, we spent five years uh, charging not enough, uh, borrowing money to make it work, you know, and doing all those things until we could really line out the pricing. That's always the hardest part. But ultimately, where we kind of landed on and helped understand price was first was value. What was our value proposition and how were we aiding the, the our neighbors, our, our customers? So what's the cost of a replacement door or replacement window? What's the cost of that? Where can we come in? And then looking from the labor side, uh, anybody that's ever had anybody work on their home or has owned a home service business knows that labor is the most challenging detail of all of that. And so it was really kind of evaluating what kind of labor was in our market, what kind of labor it would take what it would cost to recruit amazing technicians and what it would cost to retain those technicians. And so building our price from, from there, from the cost, and then also then comparing it against the value and making sure we could come up with a value proposition that we have now, which is that we are 90% less than replacement. I mean, the, the other thing that seems challenging about building, a, I mean, you're, you're carving out a whole new category here in the way that you're approaching this. I would imagine most contractors come in and say that, whatever whatever piece of wood exists in the home like that that's garbage we're going to replace it which is exactly what you just said and so you're you're carving out a a, a different solution uh for the homeowner which builds transparency and honesty and in, in the way that you're you're approaching uh building out this this business model and so you finding the labor side they haven't thought about this before so how hard was the the training when you're like let me show you how we can actually do this. Yeah, uh, it was really hard at first when we tried to convert uh, people who are already in the trades to doing this because they just couldn't get their mind wrapped yeah. around it. And even now, as we look for franchisees, we're not looking for people with experience in the trades. We're looking for people who have experience in leadership and management and you know, love their community. So we found was we needed to find people who are really detail oriented and that we could bring inside because we the the actual methods that we use that this epoxy resin have been thoroughly tested for the last 40 years and so we just need them to apply the product in the way that we that we train and then they're going to be successful uh it all exists inside of a kia soul so it's not like there's a ton of tools or equipment and it's relatively safe there's almost no saws or anything like that so we look for people who have that uh that are detail oriented we don't look for contractors or construction guys because it's just not a good fit for the brand got it okay and so from building up this business i mean I, I would imagine once you started opening up your eyes to see what neighbors or what who in your community needed this it had to be tremendous because nobody was looking at like and they would probably put off the project for a long longer period of time too because they didn't want to replace it yeah yeah, people just would avoid it, not show people that part of their house. And and uh, I think COVID was where it really, uh, during that time where people really wanting things to be worked on their house, but labor was really challenging and the material supplies were really challenging. We weren't having those same problems. And so uh, as people were wanting to prepare their houses for sale, they just started looking around and, and they realized they could get this stuff fixed in an alternative way. Okay, so 
business is going, you're building that up, you read the e-myth, you decide franchising makes sense. Take us through that journey of making the decision, I want to become a franchise to actually becoming a franchise. Yeah. So uh, the first was I picked up the phone and I called a franchise attorney uh, back in 2018, told him about my business model. At that point in time, it was just Windows. That was like all that we did. Uh, and he said, man, Ty, this is an amazing business. I love it. So cool. I could totally use it in my house. It will, it's not franchisable. It's too complicated. It's too difficult. Uh, there were a whole lot of, of different act, parts of it then that were very, very complicated. And so, uh, he said, man, I want to encourage you to try to grow it locally. And he gave me some good advice. And what we did was essentially we went back to the, to the whiteboard we listed out all of the services at the time that we were providing, which were replacing glass and, and unsticking windows and weather stripping and fixing wood rot. And we did all of that. And we kind of went through a pruning process where we just started crossing things off the list, found where we could provide the absolute most value in our community, found where we could provide the most value to all homeowners. So, I mean, where we could really repair stuff no matter where or when their house had been built and that's where the wood rock component because it was the number one thing we got calls on and so we just kind of went all in on that uh spent spent another two three years developing that and then came back around to the same franchise attorney and he was like okay you did it you're ready let's let's get going and all that process the whole time we were building manuals for ourselves but also thinking of our franchisees in the future uh really honing in our I think the biggest component for us was we wanted to hone in how we were going to recruit technicians because that was the most critical part of the business was where we're going to find labor. And so we did years of testing to identify what makes a great technician and if we could scale how we find our technicians. Were your technicians coming from like carpet cleaning or other repair services? Like, is there a consistency in who you're looking at? You know, no, uh, the consistency that we find is that they're in a career where they are doing something that's detail oriented. So we've had success with technicians who have been, you know, uh, cable, cable, cable guys, cable people, but also, uh, web designers, uh, who are, who are doing detailed work, but want to like get out and do something with their hands. Uh, same thing with COVID. I think that a lot of people wanted to kind of get out of behind the computer. And so we saw a lot of interest in like, Hey, I want to do something meaningful with my life. I want to do something helping my community. I want to, I want to work on a beautiful house. It sounds exciting and, and, and join us as technicians. Okay. So become a franchise, officially a franchise. Now talk about how franchising has been going. What's, what's that pathway been like? You know, it, it's been a learning experience for us mostly, and and there's so many great resources out there, but there's also not enough resources out there, and so it's been a constant learning process. But for us, as far as we had a couple of people like waiting in the wings that we knew were going to be great, uh, great candidates for franchising. I believe franchising is a method of raising money, and you always want to kind of can I get my friends and family to do this? And we had some business colleagues that we really believed were going to be great assets. So our first franchise was in Tulsa. Uh, he pretty much signed on as soon as we franchised uh, in early or late last year, uh, opened up in March of this year. 
And then we had a, a, a colleague of mine, really good friend out of, out of Orlando that uh, we started working through the details with him and uh, because he wanted to do a multi-unit, which was something that I had to, I had to kind of learn what that looked like and develop a territory for multi-unit, which was something kind of, it was something very, very new to me. Okay. So you have your, so you have two franchises in so far. Yeah. If you had to define what winning is for you, or if if you look, even looking backwards, say for this year, what, what did you expect winning to be and how is winning happening with the business when it comes to, when it relates to franchising? Winning to me looked like, and I don't have a number on it. Of course, I wanted to see, you know, and ultimately I think, I think we're on a good track to do that. We wanted to see five to eight people sign on in 2023 and we're on good track to that. But most importantly, we wanted to see those that were getting open, really be able to deliver that service, that value that we provided uh, in their community. And I wanted to see traction from our, from our franchisees first. That's what was most important. So that's where I spent most of my time right. is really working with our new franchisees to make sure that, you know, the level of success and, and, and penetration that we've been able to experience in Oklahoma city, they're able to get that same type of thing, but not over seven years over, you know, over 90 to 120 days, we, we want to start seeing kind of some revenue start rolling in and, and it's proven out to, uh, to be pretty good so far. What's the cost to get into the business? Uh, the uh, the low end comes in right under eighty. Okay, so that's that's a lower cost franchise. Yeah. And you're are you buying your own truck? Is it their branded truck? They're buying their own Kia Soul. Yeah. Kia Soul. So, okay. Yeah. Um, and then, are you doing an earnings claim? Do you have an item nineteen? Yeah, we do have an item nineteen. What uh, what are you how what are you disclosing in that? So on our item 19, uh, right now we're disclosing uh, total revenue, less cost of goods sold, and then some average ticket values. Uh, so, and, and this is all based off of our corporate location uh, because it's the one that's been open for several years. But uh, what we expect and what we disclose in our item 19 is an average of 169,000 per, uh, per vehicle, per technician out on the road with a 66% uh, gross profit margin that's after okay. technician labor and our epoxy and consumables. And how many trucks do you have on the road right now in the corporate location? Uh, in the year that we disclosed, we had two. Okay. Uh, and this year we have three. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, and, and you know, there, there's several factors that go into what's going to make a franchise work or a viability uh, of a, of a business opportunity. One, I like to look at a two to one plus ratio on gross sales to initial investment. So you're somewhere in the eighties and you're, you're getting up to one, one sixty. Now the reality is you've had some time to grow your business. And so to the buyer, they have to understand that they're going to have to scale. So mm -hmm. for them, they have to figure out in their own business planning, what is their break even, not how much do I, how do I get to breaking even on 80? It's more so how do I get to breaking even so that I'm no longer bleeding cash on a monthly basis against my initial investment? So one, I think, I think your numbers are actually pretty good. When I have talked with franchisees about their buying process, the, it's, it's very simple. It's what's the vision of the leader, which you do have your video on your website. Um, it's what's the point of differentiation in the marketplace. Clearly you have a point of differentiation. I would encourage you to pull that message up further on your site, you're saying own your future, but I would actually call out what your franchise is versus playing to what you're going to do. I, I do think yep. own your future is, is critical. 
Um, then you get to the cost to get in and how much I can make that has to be sound, which you have good numbers. And to an outsider, if I land on your website, which you'd be able to find purely by looking at the ghost people that come to your site, ghost, meaning I've landed on your website. I haven't filled out your form. Why? Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and so I think numbers end up being an important part of that on what do you get and, and how much does it cost? So I would, I would probably make that a little bit more, uh, more front and center. Okay. Uh, you get into where you're growing. I would play up Tulsa and Orlando, right? Those are the Orlando. Three. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I would play those up and say, you can, we are selling in, in states that were registered. However, we would love to continue to develop in the states that we're already in. Cause the reality yeah. is more vans on the, on the street, more Kia souls on the street in those, in those markets would be good. And then validation. Like I would celebrate the fact that you had two people that were like, Ty, when you're ready to go, I'm going to be a franchisee. I lift up both those stories. One was get me in and one was let me be a multi-unit operator. Yeah. So you, you have the pieces. I would probably reconfigure your puzzle slightly yeah. um, and then put it to work because I, I, yeah. I think you've done a nice job of engineering your business. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. What scares you about franchising? <laughs> what scares me is that somebody giving me, you know, investing their money with us and it doesn't work out. I mean, that's just, that's what would keep me up at night is that, cause I always imagine uh, a lot of these uh, men and women are going to be a lot like me. They got, they got families and they're going to give up a career. That's what we're asking of them and uh, that they, that they wouldn't be successful in it. And uh, I believe that they will, but uh, that's what, that's what keeps me working uh, on refining and making sure we're the best that we can be as a franchisor. I'll tell you in, the, in, in my years of doing this, it would be very rare. There are dec definitely circumstantial situations where franchisee success is environmental COVID things that are out of their control, but I'd say 99%, it comes down to their own personal grit and hustle. And so where does that fail when the franchisor oversells in the sales process? If you award franchises, that's different because then you're, yeah. you're checking for that because what you want to say is like, this is going to be hard. You're going to have to grind this out. Yes. Eventually the idea is that you could build more wealth for your family than you could in a job, but you're going to have, you're going to have to work hard. But the benefit is that you're your own worst devil. You're, you're always on that shoulder saying, work harder, work harder, work harder. And when you have that mentality, it's not necessarily work anymore. It's actually pr productivity for building something uh, yeah. incredible. And yeah. so I think, I mean, if I'm you, sl sleep at night because <laughs> you having that, that guardrail up, you, you know, there's a, you, you've built a business and that's yeah. proof of concept. So yeah. if someone were to fail, it's because for whatever reason, false expectation. I'll say on the on the franchisor side, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a similar scenario as it relates to our business. I could tell franchisors two things. One, it's 6.4 months from impression to inquiry. That means I spend $20,000 on marketing today and build up all these people that learn about my brand. Six months from now is when they fill out their form because they got to go back to the drawing table. And I say like, Think about last car you bought or buying a mm -hmm. home. Like there's a process that's usually greater than one day. And so yeah. I can say that to franchisors. And the second thing I can say to franchisors is it's not about getting a hundred leads. It's about getting one who's going to close. So don't waste a hundred hours chasing people that will never buy. Yeah. I can say those two things on blue in the face and we could be like, yeah, that's great. And they're like, where are my leads? 
<laughs> so it, there will be the scenario where you're like, dude, I'm going to tell you how this business works. I'm going to give you everything that I know, everything that I have. And they're going to say, I'm in. I totally get it. It takes time. And then on day one, they're like, why am I not signing any clients? <laughs> but but hopefully that's fewer than the majority, you know? Yeah. I think the, the thing that we always have going for us, and, and I think it's it's fortunate on our part, is that there is this relatively large pent up demand uh, where, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who have this problem and it hasn't been dealt with. And like you talked about earlier, they've just been putting it off. And so, so it is, it is good for me to always like, we get kind of a, a nice boost uh, because people are like, Oh, finally, I, I, someone can solve this problem for me. Hurry up and get to my house. Well, and if, if, if I'm you based on what you just said, I mean, people that own restoration companies, as this being their sec second or next brand, the yeah. reality is they've already built a relationship with homeowners that have issues and water mm -hmm. damage can cause some of the issues that you're, Absolutely. you're trying to fix, right? And so they already have the relationship. That seems like a viable person that if I were dialing for dollars, I would go after people that own restoration businesses, both both franchises and yeah. mom and pops. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't consider that, but that, that is absolutely. Well, look, there's there's nugget that came out today. That's good. <laughs> All right, so let's say there's a ghost who lands on this video, is trying to understand why you, why now? How do you answer that? Talk talk to them. Tell them why they should talk to you. Well, they should talk to me if uh, they want to serve their community uh, and, uh, and and help people uh, fix a really common problem, but they want to do it in a way where. You know, there's a ton of home service brands out there, but uh, we get to work on some of the most amazing properties in our community. So if, you, if you're connected with home service, but you want to work on, you know, homes that are in lakes, gates and golf courses, we're the type of the type of brand that you get to work because most of our, our homeowners are luxury clients. And so uh, it's just a really rewarding. You get to really connect with your community, help people out, save them a ton of money. It's good for the planet. Uh, so, you know. If you're already in this, you're thinking about franchising and you think about home service. It just makes sense. And it is it's a convenient and affordable business to deliver to your to your community. And who doesn't want to be the hero? I know our neighbors are supposed to be the hero, but as a franchisee, you want to be the hero too when someone's been told that a window replacement project is going to cost fifty thousand dollars and you're able to say, actually, not with us. I can take care of the little bitty problem you have for right around 500 bucks. And uh, it's a good feeling. You get good reviews and uh, and you get this really fun experience that I've had in my life of driving my children around and pointing at the beautiful houses I've gotten to work at. And they will say like, dad saved them money. Dad saved them a ton of money uh, and making a lot of friends while, I, while I'm doing it. So uh, that's that's my why you, why now? Well, I think that's, that's wonderful. My, my last few comments are, uh, I love that you're finding a point of differentiation in a very crowded home service franchise world. There's a million uh, copycats and you're yeah. now, you've built out something that falls in line and it's scalable and you've tested it and you're scaling it yourself. Um, so I love that. And secondly, like, you know, pe people buy from people and you can see you're smiling and you're happy. And if I'm buying like, yes, part, partly I'm buying the business, but I'm buying from the person that, that believes in this business and 
clearly uh, you're excited about this. And I think that, I think that counts. And, you know, I, I'm hopeful that whoever watches this says, all right, it's worth me reaching out. There's no harm in doing so and see what happens. Nope. Nope. Not at all. This is great. Ty, thank you for sharing some of your story. Really appreciate it. Uh, this was another episode of Meet the Zor. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Nick. Take care.